This is a test of the emergency podcast system. Repeat, this is a test of the emergency podcast system. Disaster Girls is an unironic excavation of disaster movies with profiles as high as the tallest volcano and as low as the Marianas Trench. In order to ensure your safety and enjoyment, please remain calm and keep your ears locked on your hosts, myself, Jordan Gershiola, and me, Amanda Smith. Hello out there, disaster divas! Welcome back once again to the Disaster Girls podcast. It is I, Jordan Cruciola. And, and I'm it's with, me, Amanda Smith. With, oh, sorry, I'm with I Amanda Smith. I was just so excited to be here. Just so excited to be here. Well, the reason Amanda's so excited to be here is because we're basically talking about the core. A lot of feelings about this film. Yeah, but we're, yeah. we're not talking about the core. We're, we are talking about... Descent, not the descent, just descent, right? Descent, descent, yeah. just descent from 2005, starring Luke Perry, who is great, perfect. God, he's Luke so, Perry is what that man never lost an ounce of charm. He was, I, I, I wish there were ten of these level of disaster movies with him in it that we could talk about. He, yeah, he if, was such a subbed, welcome presence. If you had subbed. Him into every Dean Kane role. Oh my God. Right? Like And Kevin r- Sorbo. Give oh, hell yes. Fire from Below, the Firefingers movie with Luke Perry the would have Fire been a million Fingers times movie. better. The only two movies, the only two men who should be making these movies consistently are were Casper Van Dean and and Luke Perry, really. Yeah. It's true. And and it, watching this, you're just like really struck by how how awry this character could have gone with literally anybody else. Yeah, truly. And it, there's just such a sensitivity that that Luke Perry mm-hmm. brings to absolutely everything. Yeah. That, like, it, it takes these roles that are often, like, passively, if not actively, misogynist and <laughs> condescending to, like, every yeah. woman around them. And just by virtue of his Luke Perry, like, softness... It, be, it, it it veers them away from those sand traps. Oh yeah, like every ounce of the of the little lady attitude that this character had was just gone. Yeah, and he just he just was pleasant to it was pleasant to spend time with him it was. in this in a movie that was otherwise not particularly pleasant to spend time with. Yeah, so this is this movie's not the core. But Amanda, what is this movie if it's not the core? <laughs> It's the second half of the core, but without any of the charm. Um, so basically, the premise is that the all of a sudden there's volcanoes in Washington, which we'll get in a second to why that pissed me off. Um, but all of a sudden there's volcanoes in Washington, and Luke Perry suddenly very quickly realizes that it's because of Project Deep, which is literally an acronym for Deep Earth Energy Project. Yep. So it's Deep Deep. Deep Deep. Deep Deep. So... Project Deep Deep. Um, <laughs> he realized which he had previously been working on with his ex girlfriend and like an amorphously amoral scientist. Yeah, and uh, so he gets pulled in by the government as they always do. I love a good government abduction scene, and yeah. they get pulled in by the government, and he has to go into the center of the Earth to set off nuclear charges to release enough energy that the plates shift back into place. So it's not quite the core, but it's sort of like the, you know, those, whenever you see those things on Twitter of like what I want, what I ordered, what I got. Right, right. Yeah. This was a very what I ordered, what I got of the core. Yeah. This is, this is Taylor Lorenz's avocado toast. Yeah. This is arriving sadly in, sadly arriving in that little box all in disarray. 
Now, I, f- I forget, what is, why is the core shutting down in the core? The core is shutting down in the core also because of a top secret project. But this was one- Was it drilling? No, okay. this was, so, yeah, I mean, there was a probe, but basically in the core, um, the government had created a weapon that the weapon could cause earth target, pinpointed earthquakes to cause it. destruction. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. We were and manipulating this, yes, geology. Plate tectonics, and as a result, it had caused the core to shut, to stop circulating. Yeah. In this in one, this, yeah, they, in there, this one, there's a super drill, but it yeah. goes into the, I don't know, the mantle, presumably somewhere. And yeah, and it like tapped it, a gas pocket. Yeah, is what it they hits said, the gas and, pocket, and so when the drill goes through, the gas releases from the pocket, which the gas pressure of the gas was what was keeping the the crust, the mantle cr- or crust, whichever, stable around it. So when the yeah. gas got out, there was nothing keeping the mantle crust stable around it. So then it starts to collapse, causing the plate tectonics to shift. Correct. Yes, which brings us to one of the first points of the reality index. Activating the ring of fire. the ring of fire. But that brings us to one of our first reality index points, which is, I got to say, setting a peach on fire is a more compelling demonstration than what Luke Perry does in this film, which is he squishes a jelly donut with his bare hands. I do like the jelly donut just because he is, it is no, it is no flaming peach. I mean, the flaming peach. But just the casualness with which he throws a powdered sugar donut down, like powdered sugar jelly donut mm-hmm. down on a table and then just presses his hand over the top of it. It was just so silly to watch that so uneventfully happen because yeah. there, obviously there's the little hole in the jelly donut where you insert the like the jelly bag to fill it with, with the jam. And so he, you know, well, what happens when like the the earth starts to collapse to fill that hole and then he like pushes down on it and the jam jumps out of the hole that is it's so unshowy and just like well there it was the jam just went out you need theatrics in a moment like this like you need to set the thing on fire you need to have something that shatters that explodes that some effect of it in its small scale as perhaps a piece of fruit you know perhaps it's a glass perhaps it's something that the jarring Just nature a, of what happens go-gurt. to it, yeah, the jarring nature of what happens mm-hmm. to it is evocative for the people around it. And this was just the fact that he like picks it up and just drops it right on the tabletop and then just casually presses down. He doesn't like punch it. He no. could have like smacked it. No, he just hit, presses hit it down with a on hammer it enough. Or something. Yeah, anything. A drop a book on it. Just presses down on it, and the jelly just plops out. It was yeah, like, and it's. Hmm. And it kind of oozes like there's no great. It was so, it was truly the embodiment of like the difference between the mega movies and then these movies. (laughs) And it was, it was the sense of scale. That is why I loved it because it was like, no, yep, there it is. Yeah. There it is. I just, as soon as they did, I was like, man, you guys, you. You could have gone with anything else. The jelly donut pulled, especially because the jelly donut was just sort of like on the table. Just on the table. It was, there was no context. Nope. There was no other box of donuts that he pulled it out no. of. No. They're just, a, a jelly donut appeared. Jelly. Yeah. Luke Perry manifested a jelly Might donut as well for this demonstration. Yeah. And then just kind of made a mess on the table. Just kind of made and, a small mess. Yeah. And, it, and when you're talking about world ending destruction, it was a, it was not on the scale of what we needed here. Right. And yeah. I think like this is this is similar like 
Whereas I love a great like made for TV level disaster moment that happens in this coincides with one of those classic disaster movie moments of nobody knew where the disaster was. Oh, where, yeah. like Luke and his grad students, because he's I think he's with the University of Washington. I don't think it's Washington. Yeah. Is it Washington and State or University of Washington? I believe it was Washington State University. Okay. And they're his postdoc students his, because he gave them doctorate. students. Um, they're out on like private land mm-hmm. looking like uh, they've observed some like crazy mineral component in the water. Well, then yeah. like very like people whose land it is show up toting shotguns and they're like, get off our land. So let's be like, real, Jordan. It's it's Washington State. Those were absolutely white nationalists. Oh, yeah. I'm from the Pacific they Northwest. Were, they completely yeah. were. Like, let's like let's there's not just some gun go toting guys. There were five grown ass men who just um, appear out of the woods with shotguns right. and, and they're just them, like they're yeah. just like old men that they've cast. They're just yeah. like kind of oldish men and they yeah. just like like just stare at them with guns. And so like our, you know, our our scientists, you know, frolic away. It's very silly. And then they're sitting next to a stream. They're next to a waterfall. They look at, and just suddenly out of nowhere, cascading mm-hmm. over a waterfall, a ledge of stone. It just becomes a river of lava. Yeah. Not a sound or disturbance was made prior to them seeing a cascading fall of lava up right next to them. It was another amazing moment in sneaky disasters. Yeah. They had no idea. There was no way of knowing about this. No it way. Just- as we all know, lava makes no noises and lava doesn't burn anything around it. No. It's very discreet. Nothing else yeah. catches on fire. No, there and would there be were no trees. smoke. There's no discernible smell. No. From the, and fire. there were trees on either side that we could see that were not on fire. So we knew that this was sticking to a channel like a responsible lava flow. Very um, much so. So that, But yeah, the, yeah. The, the degree of shock. So I got to go – like. I know one of our cardinal rules here is that we don't criticize the science on a practical level. Sure, sure. On a – and this isn't a scientific criticism necessarily. Mm-hmm. My question is why the fuck did they have to set it in Washington? There was no need. They didn't need to set this on the ring of fire. I mean, I think – and I think that's just because people – like, just because people know it. I think it's just an iconography but, thing. But Washington has some of the most identifiable volcanoes in the world or in the U.S. Why would you have wanted it elsewhere? Or did you just want more of the Ring of Fire? Because my issue was that these three geologists were were all like, how can there be lava here? This isn't volcanically active. And it's like, "Mm -hmm." Right, yeah. Quite volcanically active, gang. Like, that's not a surprise. So my issue wasn't like, it's scientifically inaccurate. It's one of those ones where it's like, this is an easy dunk that you guys missed out on. Like, you don't have to. If you had set this whole thing in Nevada, (laughs) I am so in. Set it in the middle of Nevada. um, And then I'll be like, yeah, wow, that is a a major. That is why people would be surprised and shocked that there's volcanoes happening here suddenly. It was specifically that they were like, we're going to have it be the. And you can still destabilize the ring of fire. You can can still do that. You can still do that. But then what you can do is be like, it's forming a new. Te- it's forming a new tectonic plate right, right which is here always in Nevada, fun. which like great. Give us a big ass crack. I love it. Yeah, give me that. Yeah, but yeah, that was as that was my main like. It's not even a reality index issue. It's just on a technical level. Right. Like filmmakers, stop. I know you guys like to do this because it's the easiest way to do this while still being yeah. in the Pacific Northwest because you're filming in Vancouver. Right, but you know I don't know what the fuck Minnesota looks like. Set it in Minnesota. 
Well, there is. Can, I, there, I, I, I don't. I don't mind it because it's just like because I just know that it's gonna. I know that the Ring of Fire can function in this in this way. I know. Like, yeah, I just we I can just, just light want... up the whole fucking perimeter, and that like makes sense because of course because it's a Ring of Fire. Yes, it's just that then you have lines like this area isn't exactly known for its robust lava flow, and I'm just like head tilt. Right. Yeah. Head it's like up. well, indeed, it is the Ring of Fire, so it's actually yeah. more known for like robust geological activity. I would imagine than many concentrated yeah. corridors throughout the world. I it has its own like, fucking name because it's yeah, so famously in like active. Fourth grade, watching a documentary about how up in the Pacific Northwest they would have like drills to be for if the if the volcano erupted and it caused the ice cap on it to melt and it would like cause a flood down in Seattle so these like lahar flows they would have like emergency drills right because after St. Helens went up it was like oh fuck I guess we should talk about this yeah and so it's for Rainier I think which yeah for Rainier if it if it erupts like Mm -hmm. they have to evacuate the schools because it's in basically a mud flow zone and so I remember being in like fourth or fifth grade watching all these children practice the drills and I was like damn okay I will never again complain about earthquake drills cool (laughs) like earthquake drills were annoying but at least it's not I have to evacuate and learn how to get to the high ground with my classmates it is it is a regret of mine that I was not alive to see like because I feel like from where I lived in Oregon I would have seen the ash cloud like I, I, I'm from just south of Portland, and when you're driving into Portland, when you're when you're coming up Interstate Five and you're driving into Portland on on a mm-hmm. like a you know a beautiful clear day, you can see Mount St. Helens in the distance from Portland. Like yeah. you see Mount Hood off to yeah. your right going up the freeway, and you look straight ahead of you before like you kind of shoot the gap in the quarters between the big condo buildings they've put up, and you can still see Mount St. Helens, which has its sloping top because the top of it fucking blew off. And a side of it, when when Mount St. Helens went up, and it's so rare for those kinds of volcanic explosions to happen. Like, you know, there are, you know, lava flows. Like, obviously, Hawaii is very active volcano zone. But to get one of those, like, huge fucking blow out into the sky eruptions, I wish I could have seen that from a distance. Yeah, you absolutely would have been able to see that one. Um, I've always thought if Mount Hood ever goes up, I hope I'm home because I (laughs) just want to see that from a distance. It would be one of the most mesmerizing. I'm not like wishing it happens, but like if it does in my lifetime, I hope I'm I'm home in Oregon, in in Canby to see it and be like, Oh my God, that is one of the most awesome spectacles I will witness in my entire life. I mean, if it goes up, you, I'm, I'll take you in my car. I'm going on a road trip immediately. Yeah, we're going. We're going. Like when Mount when Mount Saint Helens was having, a, it was like semi erupting mm. in the early 2000s, and they had mm. like a live stream cam of it that would refresh because it was. This was the olden days of the internet, kids in 2005, 2006. Yeah, it would just when stills would just keep reloading. Yeah. Every like five to seven seconds or something like that. And so I would, I was just sitting there like glued to my computer and then to my phone. I think I had like a really shitty phone at the, I had, I had a, I did have a phone that could get internet on it. And I remember just like sitting in the Met uh, in New York on a bench because my mom was like, it's starting to go. And I was like refreshing the feed, watching it, it's, and that in and of itself was cool. So it bothers, yes. it, it, it frustrates me so much that, I mean, it was captured in that exact way when when Mount St. Helens did erupt. Mm-hmm. And you see, like, you just see that little, like, 
that beginning oh, of explosion and then mm-hmm. there's like a, a bigger like then it, it like lapses mm-hmm. for a few frames but then there's like more jettisoning it out the side and then there's like one more that's kind of like the key part of the eruption and the fact that that is what we have but not a video bothers me so because I just <laughs> I just want to see the real thing I want to see the yeah. real full thing and it's just it wasn't that's not what we were capturing that's that's not what was happening and so like I have regret we also didn't fully anticipate that that was going to be happening that day yeah we had we didn't know which is why geologists died during it because they were on the actual mountain at the time right because they didn't realize it was going to be going up so we have those photos because who ruth and dante's peak is basically based on really did stay because that's her mountain man Mm -hmm. yeah no we have those photos just because of like by coincidence there were hikers on a on the other side of the valley. Yeah, yeah. So like, it's, yeah. yeah, that that wasn't. It's not like there was something set up monitoring so we could get an amazing video of this happening. Yeah, it, just like all we have are these like this photo sequence after the fact, and I'm perpetually frustrated by that. So we're going to we're going to Oregon if Mount Hood goes up, Amanda. I'm in. I'm in. We'll we'll just trade off shifts and we'll sleep in the car and we're going. Yeah, I mean it's a 14 hour drive to home, so that's manageable. Okay. Um, but so yeah. should we get back to the yeah? So this movie, anyway. <laughs> yeah. So this movie, um, obviously, once it's detected that this bad shit is happening, the escalating threat level is basically that the entire Ring of Fire is going to go up and it's going to be yeah. an extinction level event. And because this movie is half the core, that means you know that they have to get in a hyper advanced drilling apparatus yep. and burrow down further than any human has ever gone before to plant explosions to fix the problem. Yes. And I will point out they don't go to the core in this. They only go to basically the yes. crust the crust mantle margin. They so go they 25 don't, miles down. Yeah. So they go they go deep into the into the crust. They don't ever hit even the mantle. Right, 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 right. So they at least like they know they're not going to be able to tread on the hollowed ground. Yeah. Of they're um, not going to be caterpilling the their caterpillaring their way through lava. Ugh. In this, if through magma no, in this movie, they um, will not. I now there wasn't. It was in in the core. There was compartmentalized information among the team, but in mm-hmm. this movie, there is a full on plot to kill the scientists. Yeah. There was an extraneous plot that never really pays off. Yeah, I don't know why we had it. I wasn't necessarily mad at it. I was just didn't do anything to add to the suspense. It wasn't, they didn't shoehorn it in so much that it drug the movie down. It was just there. It's, it's, I feel it was, it really seemed like to mostly exist to underscore the evil bureaucracy that has to exist because there's the two government people that are in charge of spearheading this mission. And one of them is like a ruthless guy who's like weaponized this drilling technology, which is meant to find, which is meant to be like a sustainable energy solution. But of course has been taken by the U S government and turned into a weapon, which is why Luke Perry, who is the co like founder discoverer of this technology, he bailed on the project years ago and left this man, this guy and lady scientist, and they finished off the work because he probably foresaw where it was going to go. If it was finished, it was going to be used for harm. And they were like, no, we're going to see this project through. We have to, we're, you know, we're going to revolutionize energy and they're naive assholes because they didn't think the government would ever turn their technology into weapons, which of course that's what government exists to do. So the guy who was in charge of the weaponizing is like, all right, we're going to send these people down to fix this problem. But then we're going to send these two military guys down with them to help quote unquote. And by that, I mean, 
we're going to kill everybody down there so there are no loose ends with this information at the end of the day if they come back alive. So he's bad bureaucracy and then there's good bureaucracy lady who's like just trying to save the world. Yeah. Yeah. There's the good bureaucracy lady who has like a very stern sort of Professor McGonnell sort of vibe to her the whole time. Yeah. And also a weird like semi subplot where so we have a there are the two sidekicks, Heckle and Jekyll, who are the two postdoc and guys. They were, I thought they were I loved Luke them. Perry they was were, the best part of this movie. They were absolutely nipping on his heels as the second best part of the seconds. movie. They were normally excellent normally companions in a disaster movie. Yeah, normally the goofy, like yeah. uh, like dope dopey sidekicks. God, what was I wanna say it was the one with the one where they were the one is it the one like, with what, Amy Jo Johnson? Yes, that's exactly it. Thank you. Yes, with Amy Jo Johnson. The Amy Jo like, Johnson those, one. All of them sucked. Yeah. Um. This I was like, there. I want to spend all of my time with these two idiots. There, I there is a moment in that like they're just so perfectly incapable, but good at their mm-hmm. jobs. And yeah. there's a moment where like they're trying to figure something out with the team who's drilled down into the earth, and they're like, we're going to do this, 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 and the good bureaucracy lady is like. Do you know how to do that? And just, he doesn't even look back at her, doesn't even acknowledge, just goes to this like computer stack and just goes, never stopped us before. And just like keeps working. I was like, I, comp- I, I believe these people are real. These yeah. two characters, they're just real people that they brought into this movie. I loved their like bitching at each, they had great banter because those yeah. characters always exist to keep undermining each other, but have nerd sexual tension the entire time. And these guys made that not annoying and, in fact, quite entertaining. I, I had the exact same quote pulled out in my notes as well. I love when you and I inter- like overlap with our, <laughs> with our with our with our direct quoting because it was such a great it was such a great little moment. It was executed like, so well; yeah. it was perfect. Yeah, it was. I, again, to to do the comp- they needed two guys to to match the DJ Qualls, and I gotta say, in this case, if you're gonna sub one in or out, I would take those two over DJ Qualls in this. Yeah, like that's never stopped us before is a hundred times better than my Kung Fu is stronger. Yeah. Oh, so much so. Yeah. Yeah. No, I was a big I was a big fan of them. I loved the two of them in the beginning. Like when we first meet them, they're walking around and they're trying to guess what um, they've seen like a do not trespass. Trespassers will violators will be. And then the last word is crossed out. And they're trying to guess what that last word is. Yeah. And so that's the first few lines of dialogue we get from them are just like casual bantering about like they castrated. Yeah. And then it's like, what if it's a good thing? What if it's like rewarded handsomely? Yeah. <laughs> I was like, they're adorable. I like these two guys, these two goons. I can see why Luke Perry would ha- would keep them around. Yeah. They were a rare endearing duo of idiots, of yeah. idiot men. Um, in a context where we usually see just, I, we are waiting for them to die. We're normally just yeah. waiting for these characters to die, but they're very charming. Yeah. And even their like weird objectification of women wasn't as bad as it could have. Yeah, been. It, it they managed to do it in a way that's like, wow, for this construct and the two thousands, this is being done in close mm-hmm. to the best way you could do it. Yeah. So at one point, um, one guy says the uh, like bureaucracy woman, the president's aide makes some comment and then walks away and postdoc one is like dude go for it she's she's into you <laughs> and postdoc two is like really and he's like yeah go for it and postdoc do- two tries and just bombs horribly yeah and it's never mentioned again yeah never mentioned and again just, that's the end of that whole subplot because that's and absolutely there's no, like, what these characters exist to do too yeah. is objectify the women around them 
yeah. is to like well, annoyingly chase the like the, any female character in proximity. And also supercomputers, but mostly women. Yeah. 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 M- they do abduct women. a supercomputer at one point. Um yeah. <laughs> well, which and, and I fully this- believe that they would just like walk up and just the two of them would just you know what that reminded me of was in Oceans Eleven, um Scott, what's his name? Uh Khan. Oh yeah. And yeah. and Casey Affleck's little like bickering duo, yeah. their whole thing. I, that 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 was their whole thing. I would I could kind of see these two guys going up and starting a bickering thing with that over that supercomputer, and then the tech just is like, "Fine, just take it. I don't care." Right? Yeah. And then just don't subject this to me anymore. Yeah. Subject yeah, that, me to this anymore. That was a hundred percent the kind of vibe they brought with them, and I was very into it. And so, like, once we like, it's hard. It's so hard to do a, a an interior of the earth yeah. thing. Um, and, and when, when we have the core as such a, a close analog, because you really, because you're going to inevitably end up in a chamber somewhere, an open chamber in the earth's interiors, um, where there's like, you know, in this one, there's like stalagmites and stalactites and it looks like you're just like in a cave. You really can't beat the core, like drilling into and falling through a fucking geode moment. Where you just have our heroes stuck in a cavern of diamonds, basically. Yeah. And I don't hold that against this movie. But when they end up in a cavern, it's like, oh, man, it's too bad you're not in a huge cave of diamonds right now. That would have really... But there is, when they're in the giant um, cavern, where they're they're obviously have to deposit explosives, because that's what we do in these movies, where they're depositing, um, like, their first, like, strategically placed explosive, there is a scene that is straight up Congo, where the character who, like, Luke Perry's former... Um, the one who's the head of this deep, deep operation, who's (laughs) Luke Perry's former collaborator... And uh, it's like the former collaborator uh, and it's seemingly like Luke Perry's ex were the ones that stayed on the project. So they've bonded and gotten closer as Luke Perry went off and did his own thing in academia. And so Deep Deep Guy is in like this interior of the earth. And what they found in there, I forget the name of the mineral. that Osmium nitrate. Osmium nitrate. They found osmium nitrate and they've discovered that via osmium nitrate, they can produce like 100 years of sustainable renewable energy. So they get down into this like cavern. They've exited their drill and they're like in spacewalk suits walking around. And he just sees just littered across the ground in this just as though he were Herkimer Hamulka in the gorilla cave when he just sees diamonds scattered mm-hmm. across like the red dirt and he's just running around picking it up and he's like look at all this osmium like pick up as much as you can and put it in your pockets it's like really does osmium nitrate just like sit around like pebbles just no like, <laughs> just, and it's just like scattered on the floor like you're at a glass beach and you're just yeah. picking up agates and he's just like trying to fill his pockets with osmium nitrate being like, we need to take this back. We need more. And Luke Perry's like, that's it, man. Like, you don't need more You've power. caused enough damage with the power you've got. That's right. Enough. And then he replies, it's never enough. It's never Which, enough. I'm just like, okay, so we're really going on the nose with this dude's dialogue is what we're doing here. Exactly. And so he Herkimer Hamulka's up a bunch of osmium nitrate 
will then surprise while he is setting one explosive. Um, there is an, a quake because remember the world's destabilized. There's a quake and the, the military guy who was on the expedition, who was the one meant to carry out the assassination order against the scientists. Well, he just falls into a fucking hole. We mm-hmm. didn't like, uh, do we even know why he was there at that point? Or do we, the audience, not find out till later? We do. And Jordan, we do get an excellent bit of monologuing from him prior to that, where he right, tells the story right. of the time that he was up in Alaska and he turned a a buck into a taunt on sleeping bag. Yes. And I really like that whole sequence of him. It's this whole. Uh, so, no, we don't. We know that they're there for like nefarious purposes. Right. You can go there to basically. Because we know kill they're them. allied with the bad bureaucracy guy yeah. and that they have secret orders. So, we know they're shady. And also, why would military people need to be on this 100% science mission? Yeah. But we mostly don't know or like, I don't know if we ever get his name. It doesn't matter. Yeah. I don't remember um, his face one fucking bit. No. Not it's one just. Bit. He's absolutely just stock character, but I did love the entire that he just, they give more time of exposition of this man telling the story (laughs) than we got about anything involving Luke Perry's romantic relationship with other lady. Which is absolutely absent. Yeah. Like it's supposed, it's one of those things that's supposed, Ming-Na Wen and Nick Turturro had more chemistry than Luke Perry's character and this woman. Yeah, they're utterly not there. It was it was at best two coworkers who two colleagues who like have seen each other out at a restaurant and yeah. now have to make small talk with each other because they've made eye contact and can't avoid it. That's the kind of chemistry we're talking about here. Yeah, it was and really and, and how be, do you not how do you how do you not have heat yeah. with Luke Perry? I mean, he takes off his shirt in front of her and she tenderly touches the bull riding or the bull running scar on his shoulder, which is just a very unnecessary detail that we did not need about Professor Luke Perry. Yeah. Not a thing I needed to know. Didn't if you had told me that he had gotten it with some field work, that would make sense and be char- important to the character. I but consider running with that, the I consider this an expanded universe off the movie Eight Seconds, in which mm-hmm. Luke Perry plays a bull rider. Okay. Perfect. Yeah. Wow. Gonna have to watch that. So that, yes, there we go. So that is <laughs> that is what it is. Luke Perry in this particular instance, briefly took a, after yeah. he finished working on Project Deep Deep, he went and became a bull rider for yep. a full year, few years. Yeah. Then he ran with the bulls because he's like, I've ridden them. Now I must be chased by now, them. Yeah. Now I must be chased by them. This is my, but yeah, we must commune. She like sees the scar on his shoulder and tenderly caresses it. Yeah. And it's just, you couldn't power a windmill with that kind of heat, that kind of energy What? Now, are, is, are his ex and power hungry scientists are they no together or i mean they just I, I close i think they're just close because he's like by the time that he's dying he's fully shipping them which if i'm right. ever and shipping could, like, any of my coworkers, she, like, just he does me. the he does because like he when the guy when the the assassin mm-hmm. falls in a in world mm-hmm. mine in earth like in earth shaft crevasse um a rock falls down and collapses onto power hungry scientist and so he's wounded. He's badly wounded. Mm-hmm. And when he's he, got Middle Earth wasting disease, we he, never really know what exactly is wrong with I him. Was, he just I has a hard gonna, time. I breathing. was like, did I just fully fucking miss why this guy is just sitting nondescript coughing? Because like I get that he was hurt. Like he had a giant mm-hmm. rock fall on his midsection. But the way he reacts after when he gets back in the ship and comes to, it's like it, it's like he's like a character that's been exposed to too much radiation. It's yeah. like a, it's like a radiation poisoning character who is wasting. 
before our very eyes. He doesn't seem like he's wound, like he's wounded. He seems like he's disintegrating. So he's like coughing and sweating. And it's like, when did you get a disease? And I was like, is this still just the impact wound we're talking about? Or did I miss where he got some sort of chemical poisoning? Yeah, no, no. He got, I'm telling you, he got Middle Earth syphilis. It's fine. <laughs> yeah. I, like, and genuinely, they don't explain it. And even no. if it were like that he has two collapsed lungs, like that's still fixed. It's not great, but that's fixable. <laughs> it's not great. You're like, not to undersell yeah. that That's being probably bad. why they maybe, they had plenty of room to send a, a doctor, a medical doctor down with them. There was a lot right. of room on the inside of the mole and they could have done that and they chose not to. And I feel like that was an error on their part. And so, like, after he gets, takes the hit, comes in, has wasting disease, um, he realizes what he has done. And yeah. so he's going to make the great sacrifice because, as is the case with so many um, in extremist situation, uh, um, expo- need explosion movies, they get, tr- they need to reroute power from the thing they are traveling with. To, to route that into the explosive device. Like the only way we can get the bomb to go off is if we use the power of the machine that got us here to juice up the explosion to make it big enough. Because when you're in these movies, when you need an explosion and you have to go into an extremely harrowing context to place that explosion and set it off, something has to happen where you needed a bigger explosion than you thought you would. Yeah. And so they need to use like the reactor cores in this drill to juice up the second bomb so they have enough explosive capacity to collapse these caves and fill the holes so things stop expressing themselves on the surface and the ring of fire stops being active. So he realizes what he's done and he like puts on his little suit, like hobbles to the elevator and is like, I'm going to set the bomb myself. And he like closes the door behind him. They're like, scientists don't go <laughs> i don't remember his name it was <laughs> none of the names in this movie were at all i don't think they ever used a name twice it yeah, doesn't like matter. don't go it doesn't have to be this way he's like i'm not coming back like he's closing that door behind him he's gonna go set that bomb off he's gonna be sitting right next to it when it when it happens and so the reason i bring all is because there's this she's like crying looking at him and she puts her hand up to the glass in that very we were in love way and he like puts his hand up to the glass to touch her so i couldn't tell like I feel yeah. like Bob, there had to have been some kind of romantic rivalry between that guy and Luke Perry because I feel like there always is. Like, well, that's the thing. He, it's he like did deep, deep, and the girl stayed with him kind of thing. So I wasn't clear if they were like officially together or if he was just like possessive. So I think that you have to go back and think about like the pack dynamics of any given research project. <laughs> and once the alpha leaves, the female must then be taken by the new alpha. So what happened was that Alpha Luke Perry left and therefore leaving a vacancy. And so the new Alpha just by default, much like how Scar got all of, you know, Mufasa's women. Right. Yes, of course. She just, of course, it had to be taken under his protectorate and become his mate. Mm. But now that now that Al- original Alpha Jake is back, or I don't know why I keep saying Jake. I don't know if that was his name, but I want to say it was. He has a real Jake vibe to him. He does. Anyways, he yeah. does. Anyway, after Alpha Luke Perry comes back, then you know, original scientist knows like, oh no, either I'm going to have to battle him for supremacy, but yeah. I'm not, I'm the weaker of the two of us. Yeah. I can't do it. So I'm just going to sacrifice myself as well. Yeah. To which, oh, you know what? His name is Jake because he has the quote, can't have you stealing my thunder, Jake. Yes. Like, you know, playing on his own egomania 
Jake mm-hmm. is like, you know, it doesn't have to be this way. And he, you know, he's no, he's I'm going to be the hero. You can't be stolen my thunder, Jake. And like, I'm going to embrace my narcissism right now and mm-hmm. my need for acclaim. And I'm going to, you know, puff up my chest and I'm yeah. going to deflect how fucking terrified I am to go kill myself right now to save the world by telling you that, like, I'm going to be the hero today, Jake. Yep. Which, again, was a very strong parallel to our whole Stanley Tucci thing. Yeah. Of Stanley Tucci also being like, I'm going and I'm going to do it. And that's like, or no, he didn't choose though. He got trapped under and then sent, um, what's his, and sent Aaron Eckhart out because he was like trapped under the nuke. Right. But the point being, yeah, it's very like that same sort of false bravado narcissism thing that we have seen before. Um, But in this case, it's really, it's, it's really questionable only because the whole time we're like, well, one, did someone need to die? And then two, sir, are you really sure you're dying? Right, or you are, are you just you, sort of. Are you just sort of working on this because it's yeah. like I'm already. The implication seems to be I'm dead already. Yeah. So like I'm gonna I'm gonna finish it off and I'm gonna save the day when it's like I don't think you're dying though. Yeah. Like, no, I genuinely. I think he got the wind. I think he's just never had the wind knocked out of him before. Right. And just, which like I know that the first time I got the wind knocked out of me when I was I remember it vividly because I was like six and I got I fell. I was investigating my dog's footprints while pretending to be like a detective and my dog (laughs) had left little puppy footprints all over my bathroom from the wet bathtub. And I was in like a full rain slicker and I was carrying a magnifying glass. You were hairy at the spot. I was full on. I was like Sherlocking. I was was full (laughs) Sherlock mode. I was in rain boots. I I had my little outfit on. And I slipped and I just knocked, I fell directly onto the side of the tub and knocked the wind out. Knocked the wind out of me. Uh And I remember at like six or seven being like, this is how I die. Right. It's very and scary. At, and even at that age being like, this is a really a stupid way to die. <laughs> how is this it for me? Right. Like, like I, how is this the end? How is this the end? I was investigating dog footprints and like I very distinctly had that moment. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I just got to say, dude, maybe you just got the wind knocked out of you and now you're going to die in the middle of the earth. That doesn't seem like a great plan. My favorite audacity, the audacity of this movie moment though mm-hmm. is absolutely the completely tension-free attempt at a life-or-death moment mm-hmm. when they realize um, they don't have the explosive power in the second bomb that they need, so they're going to take elements out of the ship's core to juice it up. Mm-hmm. And the one mi- remaining military guy who like comes clean and is like, yeah, that other guy who came down here, uh, he was going to kill you all, the major. Yeah. Um, well, hold on, Jordan, you know why he comes him. clean, though, is because they find his notebook, they find a his notebook. notepad where he's written his super evil scheme in the, it. It's just sitting out on a pro tip, guys, seating area. Don't take, don't write all of your evil plans on a notepad. Yeah, and no. if you're going to write them on a notepad, keep it on your person. Yeah, I feel like that guy really would have known you don't write down that kind of plan. You commit yeah. it to memory. It's kind of an eyes-only situation. So he just yeah. leaves it in a small spiral um, like notepad sitting on, I don't know, a chair. And yeah. so the guy who contracts the wasting disease after he gets hit by the rock, he just like feels the notepad under his leg and pulls it out and starts reading it. And he's like, well, did he tell you, did this man tell you his plans to kill us all? <laughs> right. And it's like, wow, I guess you just read all that in that tiny notebook <laughs> right now. And then Luke Perry's like, what was the plan? What was the plan? He's like, got him held up against a wall. He's like, that yeah. guy was going to kill you. I'm not going to kill you. As far as I'm concerned, the order died with him. I'm no assassin. So he become he he becomes the guy he's like i'm gonna get these he knows how to operate the the ordinance he knows how to operate the bomb so he's gonna get the core elements out and he's gonna put them in with the explosives to juice up the explosives and it is 
meant to be one of those scenes where it's like, don't knock the thing around, don't jostle the thing, don't break the thing, otherwise we're all gonna die. And it's like, yeah, what are these, what are these cylinders made of? Fucking tissue paper? Like, it's that, like, <laughs> let's, let's move a centimeter at a time and let's go very slowly and let's, let's be so super careful. And there's nothing about the cinematography or the reaction shots that convey the gravity of what that yeah. moment is supposed to be. And it's truly just, he's just taking things out from something at about eye level and then putting them in a suitcase. But like, he does almost all, trip. And he, well, and then, yeah. And like, so you're watching, you're like, is something going to happen to make this seem as upsetting as it's supposed to be as Razor's Edge? And then like, as he's turning around, not crossing a great distance or doing anything particularly physically interesting, he just like, trips and almost drops a cylinder on the ground and he's like i'm just trying to get this done as fast as i can luke perry's like slow down it's like this this was a moment we did not need this is the most this is the thinnest attempt at creating suspense i can possibly imagine on a screen right now yeah I mean, Luke Perry did say careful a bunch of times, Jordan, which yeah. I immediately thought of you. Yeah, careful, easy, easy, easy. He, uh, that is, yeah, that, was, there's my villain tension. origin story. <laughs> there's, it was I'm going to become free. the Joker when I hear people fucking saying that in movies. I'm going to do it to you in real life from now on. I hate it. It's, I know. <laughs> I, anytime it happens in a movie now, I think of you. It has completely like – it's something I, I probably never would have even processed before, but now I specifically – my brain's just perks. Isn't my brain perks. Pretty surprising how often it happens now that you notice it. Yeah, it happens and, all and the now, time. Now think of any time in your life when anybody has said that to you. I mean, when I handle nuclear cores. <laughs> you mean anytime you've been needing to do something carefully and any mm -hmm. person thought that the way to calm a situation down mm -hmm. was to aggressively lean into you and be like, easy, easy, easy. Like that's a calming thing to do in a stressful interaction. <laughs> yeah, no, it's terrible. It's it's genuinely so, yeah, just- we a, get that yeah. fake moment of terror. Mm -hmm. And that guy is originally, like, he goes out to plant the explosive, but he gets, um, like, I don't, is it, what is it, lava? No, it's like an acid. There's just, so, like, there's an acid Random drip off acid. of the, yeah, off of the stalagmites and, or stalactites, and he, instead of saying, like, there's something burning through, he just starts screaming, I need to get my, my head, you know, my thing on, my helmet off. Yeah. Um, and he rips off his own helmet and accidentally like punctures Luke Perry's as well. He, I think he like he like rips the mask off or something, yeah. and so Luke Perry's exposed to the internal Earth atmosphere, which is I I don't know probably filled with chemicals and bad, and he died like guy soldier guy dies on the ground because I, maybe his head was burned through by the acid maybe it made a hole such that in his equipment that he died of exposure to elements luke perry like pours himself back in the ship closes the door behind him into the drill and then that's where they decide that's where um megalomaniacal scientist decides that he's gonna finish yeah. himself off and set leave himself to die with the expo second explosion in the in the mantle of the earth the crust of the earth yes exactly and so and leaving leaving lady scientists to finally have something to do because right, through this whole yeah. thing i was thinking she's of, been um, the driver up to this point yeah i was thinking of of 
Tig's whole like we gotta talk triage thing yeah. from uh, <laughs> Army of the Dead because yep. like this is very clearly a triage situation where they have the whole time just been like so lady scientists you are not stepping foot outside of this outside of the mole because you're the only one who knows how to drive it because you created the whole thing which sure she did yeah so she created the whole thing um, and so she has to drive it and so finally there's a moment of tension because she has to be like here's how we're, we have to get back to the surface somehow yeah and then. Luke Perry thinks of the obvious answer, which is what if we just go into the water instead of going through where where the crust is much thinner. Right. Instead of going through 20 miles of crust. Yeah. What if we go through the eight miles of crust of the ocean, which seems like a, an exit plan they should have anticipated prior. Yeah. It kind of seems like it might have should have been their entrance plan. Mm-hmm. Well, that's why in that's why they do it in the core that of the ocean. They do it in the core. Because it's a much faster route. That's just easier if you're trying to get through the crust you're going to want to go where it's thinner and that is going to be always going to be in the in the ocean yeah and as you know as why make your job harder like yeah. as they're establishing when they're going to meet the drill the first time um matthew perry's or luke perry's like oh i'm looking at this map and i this see whole some, movie would be so different if it were matt perry i have been intentionally like i've been trying so hard to not say matthew perry on this because i've not wanted to still like halt everything with the inevitable like matthew perry like perry joke that would come afterwards no it's fine i just like just as soon right as you, there it, and it's like i don't want to fucking say matthew perry because i don't want to make a goddamn thing about it it hasn't occurred to me as a possible substitute he has never occurred to me as a possible substitution for any of these films we can keep going i just am like taking a second internally to be like what the fuck yeah no i know which is exactly what i was trying to avoid because it's just not even worth that's thinking why we're about. gonna keep going yeah we're keeping so going so what so happens, luke perry yeah so lady scientist he's like perry's like Oh, I see. Oh, there's all these uh, lava tubes that, like, I can work us out a route to where the drill can just like go through there, so we don't have to go through so much solid rock and just make it easier. And she's like, "Solid rock doesn't make a difference." And he's like, "Solid rock doesn't make a difference." It's like, okay, I guess you want to show your dick off right now, but also, how about we just get there faster? Yeah, I get that your super drill can go through anything. It can go through diamond, whatever. Um, how about we just make our job fucking easier and go through the fucking Earth's like ocean floor because now's not the time for a fucking theatrical show yeah and we don't get any cool like dissolving rock sequences either no which you know credit where credit's due the movie does start off with some really good we get a good disaster in seattle yeah i do like the i do like the lava waterfall i do like it the sneaky silent lava waterfall yep we get some we just we get some nice they front load the disasters but then once yeah. we start going after the after the halfway mark where they start going into the earth we lose all the disaster and and we, we also it sounds as if they add to it by being like but we're going to show it blasting through rock now and it's going to be sweet it's just yeah. like okay now we're just inside of a set the whole yeah, time yeah like at least have one piece of footage that you'll replay for us over mm-hmm. and over and over again of the drilling through rock yeah. Instead of just leaving it entirely to our imaginations. Yeah. Give us give us that moment because at least then we'll be like, yeah, that is a badass little drill. Yeah, because with the with the with the core, you have the effect, you know, through through a lot of the movie where they've entered into the outer core and mm-hmm. it's molten. So you see them like swooshing through what is obviously magma, and that's cool. This is just the deep deep in big spaces. Yeah. And like kind of just moving as sort of a caterpillar. Yeah, it's just kind of chugging along. There's no, there is a little bit of tension of like there's a, ma- a magma flow at one point because yeah. it's still inside the Earth, so it's technically magma. But there's like a magma flow at one point that the magnetic, uh, the magnetic quality of it is causing the right. causing the mole to like be pulled toward it, and then they have to kind of have some tension and re steer it. But 
it doesn't give us the good. We want, I want some exploding rocks and we don't get any exploding rocks. And that's, I mean, that's the joy of a drill mechanism in any kind of, that's the joy of a drill mechanism in Armageddon, in the core, like to see the drill being cool. Yeah. Is why we have drill, is why we have drill elements in these movies. Absolutely. But so they, 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 you know, obviously they get the explosions off. Obviously they're, they, they get through the ocean. They're going to the surface. They're like going ashore and they're in I a loved boat. it. They're in a little inflatable they're dinghy. In a fucking little boat, little inflatable boat and they're rowing. Yeah. And he stops rowing at a certain point. She's like, what are you doing? Why are you stopping? And he's like, I don't need to keep going. I have everything I need right here. Always like, has been. It. It took me a minute to be like, I don't know what he's talking about. <laughs> like, what's he like? Seclusion? Like, I, I he mm-hmm. loves the water. Like, I had to be like, oh, he means her. Like, mm-hmm. I had to think about it to understand that Doctor Jake, Doctor Scientist Jake, meant the woman was yeah. all he had ever needed. Which Nothing we don't really there. know. We don't know what caused that realization. We don't know. We don't really get any of that. We just sort of are like, cool. Okay, they're just going to make out on a on a dinghy. And I oh, and I've forgotten one of my favorite parts of this movie happens as they're surfacing, I think in the in the drill mm-hmm. when because bad bureaucracy, evil bureaucracy yeah. guy is like, well, I still want those people to die because I want this secret to die with them. Mm-hmm. And so bad bureaucracy guy is like, where are they going to come out out in the ocean? Tell me. And the good bureaucracy woman goes to the tech nerds and is like, where are they going to rise out in the ocean? I need you to tell me first. Mm-hmm. So they basically get the information at the exact time, both good and bad bureaucracy people. And then it becomes basically a car chase to get who's going to get there first. If bad guy gets there first, they're going to be shot. If she gets there first, I guess the press will be there with her. So like, it's not like we see like an elaborate chase scene, but we just see two cars driving fast down the same road. And it's like, mm-hmm. well, Guess we'll know who gets there first by how this movie ends. And, of course, good bureaucracy woman gets there first. The press is in tow. So bad bureaucracy guy can't order the no, scientist bad bureaucracy, killed. bad bureaucracy guy isn't just doesn't just get there first. Right. They actually have given bad – like, we. she's like, good job, guys. Let's that's go. That's right. That's right. Oh, That's I what makes this whole sequence so, so great is that she's like, good job, guys. Let's go after she ha- begrudgingly hands over the coordinates. Right, and right. And it's revealed after – so bad – Bad bureaucracy guy gets out first. He's the corporal or whatever because he's military. Yeah. And he gets out first and he drives through this barricaded gate. And I was like, are they really going to do this? And they fucking do it because the coordinates they've been given are to the white separatist camp. Yes. And so white separatist camp. Bad bureaucracy guy gets out and like drops his cigar on the ground and they're not near the ocean, which should have tipped him off in the first place. Right. Yeah. Um, It should have been like going into the interior following like a river into the woods. Should have tipped him off. Not surfacing at th- through the Juan de Fuca plate. And then, of course, the, you know, separatists show up with all their guns and, like, <laughs> yeah. angrily pick up the cigar that this, that the corporal has dropped. Meanwhile, over, and it's a, it, it was, I was like, okay, you know what? The white separatist thing was weird. Like, the, the five guys with shotguns was a weird thing in the beginning. But I appreciate that you paid it off. Yeah, it was, like, as far as Chekhov's white separatists go... <laughs> I didn't think they had it in them. I did not. I was not expecting that, and I love it. I, I, I'd like to think that that was just sort of one of those moments where, like, wow, oh shit, what if we do this? Like, it kind of came to them, and it, that was it wasn't good payoff. 
It was a great payoff. For something that felt so tacked on in the moment when it happened in the beginning, the fact that it had a purpose, that they planted the seed and it grew, that was surprising. I I credit where credit's due. I was impressed. I liked that. I liked that. So, so yeah, so then, and then good government lady is there with the, with the newswoman who is, with newswoman who just has been like showing up to do exposition about things yeah. for a while. Yeah, oh, that's right. Newslady was doing exposition. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which I didn't mind. She talked about the, the um, Permian extinction and I was like, that's a cool thing to, to bring up. I always like it when we can bring the Permian extinction into things. Great. Um and she and also then, she so she and and good bureaucracy woman also delivers delivers the message about um she, her role in this movie has been to reinforce the goodness of America and yeah. to say what it is that like Americans government does do to protect its people and what it doesn't do to keep them mm-hmm. in the dark. So she's like serving a very very clear go pro USA pro government. Yeah. Um, stance throughout the movie. Yes. But a pro-government stance that, that somehow puts the armed forces not as part of the U.S. government. Yeah. Which yeah. is a very, a very specific reading of that narrative. Yeah. Very interesting on that yeah. one. I mean, that's certainly a take one <laughs> yeah. could have. Um, but it does also give us one last wonderful moment with our two, our two postdocs with Abbott and Costello. Yes. One of them has the binoculars. He's like, I found them. And the other one's like, oh, what's going on? He's like, nothing. Nothing's going on. Nothing's going on. And then the guy's like, what are they doing? Are they making out? Let me see. I want to see. <laughs> and the first guy is like, no, nope, you can't see it. And he just like weirdly just wants to watch yeah. his watch his, you know, professor make out with his lady on a boat. Yeah. And then they wrestle each other to the ground. In a, a very sexual way. Yeah, like, and, and like an extended like, sequence, too. We like, get as much making out. In kind of like, almost like a fucking 69 formation. Like, there's like heads in dicks. Like, they are. They so, are. You have to try to end up in that posture with another human being. I think that the publications would call it a clinch, is what they were in <laughs> by the end of it. And there it you was, go. They were definitely like, but again, they as much time was spent on them wrestling as was spent on Luke Perry making out with this woman. Yeah, and it, at it least they were they were entertaining. The they were very entertaining. I was, this I was this movie just this movie just needed to make them boyfriends. This movie just needed to make them boyfriends. That would actually have improved a lot of the sidekick characters yeah. in these films. It would have been great if they were just like mm-hmm. these inseparable boyfriends who love science together. Yeah, I. I would have liked that. Yeah. Oh. For for the strongest characters in the movie, it would have given them that little something extra. All right, that's going to go into my fantasy casting for this film now. So do we do we feel ready to move on to our what was this movie really about after a word from our sponsor? Yeah, I think it does. So I got to ask Jordan and mm-hmm. folks at home. Mhm. Mm-hmm. Folks, do you love movies? The good ones, even the bad ones everyone told you not to like? It sounds like Super Yaki might be the place for you. The team at Super Yaki loves movies, so much so that they've dedicated every waking moment of their lives to bringing you top-quality merchandise to showcase your love for them. From super soft t-shirts saluting the brave of us who go to the movies by themselves, to comfy sweatshirts and aprons commemorating historic events like the night Florence Pugh made marmalade. They even carry enamel pins of some of your favorite directors like Hayao Miyazaki and Guillermo del Toro. Super Yaki joyously brings you tangible love letters to your favorite movies and to filmmakers that you can wear with pride. Plus, the team at Super Yaki screen prints all their apparel using eco-friendly, 100% water-based inks and ships using compostable poly mailers for an environmentally friendly alternative to online shopping. 
And as a special gift to you, listeners can save 10% on their order with code DISASTERDIVA. That's all caps, no spaces, DISASTERDIVA at checkout. If the spirit moves you, you can find them at superyaki.com. Let's watch more movies. Yeah, and they just did their, some of their summer drops. Yep. It is an exciting time to be to be a Super Yaki fan, guys. Yeah, they're they boosted uh they have uh their Guillermo del Toro Guillermo del Toro uh hats available Ooh, and Jennifer's, the Jennifer's body hats, Jennifer's body hats available. So as always, great stuff waiting for you on superyaki.com. Get on it, guys. Get on it, Disaster Divas. So Jordan, what do you think this movie was really about? I think this movie wanted to be about the good bureaucracy lady. Mm-hmm. About how, like, the government protects its people and is transparent mm-hmm. and is honest with them. Because, like, there's this moment where bad bureaucracy guy like, calls his family on the phone. He's like, you've got to get out of X place. Right. And she, like, hears the conversation. She's like, so when are you going to tell the other 7 billion people on the planet about this? And he's like, what do you want to cause a hysteria? And she's like, well, th- you know, our government's about protecting all the people. It's about looking out for everybody. And so they get into this war about, like, self-interest versus the good of the group. And she's trying to tell him that what the government and what the U.S. stands for is, like, the good of the whole. And this is, of course, a classic bad bureaucracy guy move in a disaster movie. And I think this movie thinks it's about her position when, indeed, it is actually about his position. Yeah. Like, Luke Perry knew that the government would weaponize this technology, which is why he walked away from it before it could go too far and get out of control. And the other guy was just blindly concerned with, like, power and influence. So he pressed forward with his operation, the Deep Deep. And it fell in, of course, to the hands of governments who turned it into weapons and this, that, and the other. And he's, of course, shocked to find this out. But our protagonist knows the score all along and knew to expect that the government was going to intervene and take this thing he was going to do for good and turn it into an agent of harm. So it tries to give you this bow over the whole thing with good bureaucracy lady saying that, like, this is who we are, this is what we stand for, self-sacrifice, protect the people. But really the prevailing sentiment The takeaway message, what happened was only possible because Luke Perry knew what would come to pass would eventually come to pass, which is that the agents of the state would interfere with an altruistic technology to turn it into a weapon of mass destruction. Yep. I'm with you. I think that's that's pretty much what I was going to go with as well, was um, that at this point, unless we do something to stop it, there's very little modern technology that will not be manipulated yeah. to become a weapon of some sort. Yeah. Um, a you know great example of that is everything Boston Dynamics is doing with those creepy ass robot they need dogs. To be, they need to be closed. They need to be yeah. – they're, they're, it needs to be like a full-on prologue to a movie about the like apocalypse where we thought we destroyed Boston Dynamics. We thought we burned all the papers. We thought we destroyed all the records. But then one person got out. Mm-hmm. Manip- like use the technology for ill or thought they were doing good and the technology became it It metastasized the point of the singularity and it became fucking Skynet and then yeah. the world is taken over by our sentient robot dog overlords so yes I agree but actually what I think is that this is a great example of how the use of that of technology the use of scientific advancement isn't going to, it, it is not on a level of a beyond humans control or my or escape. Right. The reason I bring up Boston Dynamics isn't because they are going to become the singularity, which it is. It's the <laughs> Skynet. 
But because the first thing that happened once Boston Dynamics developed this robot dog is that NYPD bought like five of them. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. These things Which, are meant to be brought into theaters of conflict. Yeah. yeah. So and that we can exact on a very maximum mundane, casualties yeah. on the and, other side without enduring human loss of life ourselves. Yeah. And but on a very mundane human on a very mundane daily level, where it, the idea is to have these robot dogs out patrolling the streets of New York. Yeah. Which is an insane thing. And in the same way that like this was supposed to generate energy for us, but now mm-hmm. they're going to use it to as a an amorphously a weapon. But the point is, is it's not some grand evil. It's a very tangible evil. Yeah. And I think that's the important thing is that it's very easy to forget. And, you know, it even like this, the, the, this, the megalomaniacal scientist really embodies it with the like, it's never enough. Yeah. How easily modern technology and kind of our quest for knowledge can become a very tangible evil. Yeah. And how quickly we can then assimilate that evil into our lives. Yeah. And it just, and how quickly it becomes normal for us. Yeah. We normalize it incrementally. So when Mm -hmm. we've reached a point where we are, we have, we pass a massive inflection Mm -hmm. point and we don't see it until miles after, but we're already beyond the point of no return. So this to me was, yeah, this was that warning. This movie was that warning of like, hey, we need to take a look to, we need to stop to take a look and see what, our curiosity and our drive to do things. I mean, if you think about, this was supposed to create green energy. What kind of, even before the part where they caused, you know, the Juan de Fuca plate to erupt and the entire, set off the entire ring of fire. Yeah. What was the environmental toll of creating the mole, creating this whole facility? Yeah, seriously. What is the environmental toll of this? What is it? It's still fucking drilling. Yeah. It's still drilling. It's still, you're using a huge amount of, of materials. And so in the same way that like, when you look at Tesla, yeah, yeah, it's green energy, but it's actually got a massive carbon footprint and environmental cost associated yeah. with it. So it's one of those things where that to me was the the aspect of the t- very tangible way that our scientific curiosity, as much as we want to excuse it as having a greater good, can be used for evil and can be used for selfish reasons. That was to me what this movie was really about. I think that's completely true. Yeah. Do you have any fantasy casting for it? If someone came and was like, we need to remake this movie, but not the core, would, other than saying you're out of your mind, remake the core, what are you going to do? I, I liked the assistant guys too much to replace them. I'm really just, I'm replacing the main woman with Charisma Carpenter. Great. That's my main move. Oh, I would have loved to see her going head to head with Luke Perry. Yeah. And the the soldier boys uh, are going to be Ansel Elgort and Miles Teller. Great. We're going to bring them back for their demise. Perfect. In this hole in the earth. I like that. I like that. I like that whole setup. Yeah. So I'm going a different route because as I was watching this, I was truly struck by just how great the casting for Riverdale was. I mean, that is- K.J. Appa cast as the son of Luke Perry is a genius bit of casting. And you really see it in this where, you know, Luke Perry was 15, 10 years younger than he is by the time Riverdale comes around. So about the age of K.J. Appa now. Yeah. um, Because K.J. Appa is what, 35? I don't know. He was one of the youngest on the cast when that started. Him and Lily Reinhardt were really oh, okay. young. So I think he's like 25 now. Oh, all right. Well, either way, you could really, like with this movie in particular, I was like, damn, I see that casting. That was great casting. So what I've decided is that this is the next season of Riverdale. He's 23. Oh, God. So Jordan, this is the next season of Riverdale. The, Archie would absolutely do this. Like, why wouldn't this, this be Roberto the next? Roberto yeah. Sacasa would write yeah, a, a, into the core of the Earth plotline, mm-hmm. and Archie would so rapidly volunteer himself mm-hmm. to captain a ship into the center of the Earth. Yeah, 
And Betty, like, Betty is going to be the one who designs the whole thing. So they're going to do another yep. time jump. So it's another five years in the future. Yep. Betty is no longer working for the FBI as like, a, you know, a manhunter. And now- Best out of context show too. That and Grey's Man, the out of yeah. context shows of our time. Perfect. A perfect show to have. I mean, because every episode is without context. And I love it for yeah. that. Yeah. Even within the context of the show, it is yeah. about context. I have a friend who's doing a live tweet as she watches it, and it's just been delightful. Incredible. Um, so yeah, so so obviously Betty's going to be piloting the ship, and she and Archie haven't seen each other in years. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Jughead is going to be the scientist guy, so we're, they're going to be like buttoned heads. Oh, yeah. Um, and then I'm going to put in as boyfriends, I'm going to make Kevin, and uh, let's go with was this uh, – I don't know, Switchblade, whatever his name is. <laughs> the serpent yeah. that he has a thing with. Yeah, the serpent that he has his yeah. little, his, he has his, like, he has Pop his Tart. With. I don't remember his name, but. <laughs> Corn anyway, Pop. Corn Pop. <laughs> so the, the serpent that he like is involved with. Yeah. So the two of them are going to be, have gone, but they've, they've been inspired by Archie's love of, um, of geophysics and they oh. are all going to go to school together. Oh. They're going to be their, P- they're going to get their postdocs. Mm-hmm. Um, and so they're going to be the boyfriends. Where does Cheryl come in? Cheryl is going to be the the lady, the lady government bureaucracy woman. Oh, having, she's good bureaucracy? Having, well, you know, she has – here's the thing. Cheryl, okay. at her core, has morals. It's true. It's true. She's just self-serving. Yeah. But Cheryl does have, like, a really strong true north of, like, what is good and evil. You're right. And so she's going to be bureaucracy and She's very lady. sensitive. She's very mm-hmm. vulnerable. Yep. So she's gonna be, and yep. she. So it'll be, it'll be pure bureaucracy lady, and then, like, I don't know. There'll there'll be. It'll probably be gonna be bad gonna be bureaucracy. Hiram's gonna be. That's exactly what I say. Hiram will be bad bureaucracy. <laughs> that is a great Mark Consuelos role. Period. Yeah, that's just great for Mark Consuelos. Honestly, I don't know how we haven't put Mark Consuelos into <laughs> one of these films sooner. Nope. Now that you're saying it, that's a hundred percent true. Yeah, he could also replace Dean Cain in a lot of films, and it would be better. Oh, absolutely. I yeah. hope Kelly Ripa lets him know that. Kelly, if you're listening, tell him that we said that. Yes, please. I'm, I'm sure Kelly loves this podcast. <laughs> she listens to it every day while getting her hair and makeup done before uh, going on, Re- on, I almost called it Regis and Kelly. Like that hasn't been the case for 15 I know, years. I know, but it's so in our just what it is. consciousness. I don't even know who she, who does she host with now? Ryan Seacrest? I don't Michael know. Michael Strahan. Thank you, My, Jason. That's right. Michael Strahan got the oh, job. I thought that she and Michael Strahan like had a falling out and he left. That could also very well be. <laughs> I don't know. It honestly, it doesn't. The point is, is that Kelly, since you're listening, just let me know. Just shoot me a DM. And I will say this is a this has nothing to do with anything, but I just have to shut because this never comes up on this podcast and I have to take advantage of it. Uh, when they were auditioning new co-hosts for Kelly, one of them was Scott Wolf. Yes. And he was on for a minute and he was on on an episode where Rita Ora came on. And talked about how she, like, how she was going to host the revival of America's Next Top Model. And it is one of my favorite stupid moments ever. I, I, I made a gif out of it. because an assemblage of who's. Oh, my I, God. I mean, absolutely incredible. Rita Ora is on there. And she she's unveiling. She's, like, she's like breaking the news on Live with Kelly and Guest. Um, that she... Because, like, you know, there was Tyra Mail. Tyra, sure. you know, Tyra Mail is a huge deal in Top Model. You you lived and died by the Tyra Mail. And she was there telling them, like, well, I think it was Kelly might even ask, like, are you going to still have Tyra Mail? Which is probably a total setup for her to answer the question. And it wasn't going to be Tyra Mail anymore, but they were going to have the same kind of setup, except they were going to be called 
Rita Oracles. <gasps> and, <laughs> and Kelly knows exactly what she's reacting to. So she immediately goes, oh, my God. Oh, my God. Like, she's freaking out like a daytime host should. Absolutely. And there is an incredible sequence of events that happens around Scott Wolf in fractions of a second <laughs> where he hears this, realizes he has no idea why he should care or how to feel. <laughs> so he, like, he, in, like, a slight delay reacts because he clocks Kelly's reaction. So he does this thing where he, like, looks one direction, looks back to Kelly, and then directs his face back to camera as he goes, oh, oh, and like makes an <laughs> oh shape with his mouth. And you can tell he has no fucking idea what he is responding to. Why would to. you do that to Scott Wolf? And it's, so it is incredible to watch him just, ooh, like the way uh, his mouth migrates yeah. in an O shape and Ke- and Rita is looking so proud of herself, and she does this little move that's almost like finger guns, <laughs> where with both hands does like a da da da, like shakes her fingers up and down, and like moves them in front of her. Like that's right, you heard me correct, audience. Rita Oracles, and it is a remarkable study in how daytime TV functions and what the role of a good daytime TV host is for yeah. their audience. And Good I just God. had to Amazing. share that because we had the opportunity to talk about no. live and- with Kelly. <laughs> I am so grateful that this has come up. Um, first of all, just for the sheer phrase of Rita Oracles. Rita, which- I will be sending you the gift. So Please. you can, it, you can, I have watched it so many times and I'll just watch it on the loop and watch each person a few times in a row just to see yeah. them doing their own thing. It's like three people in separate realities tied together in one gif. It's, it's I amazing. can't wait to see this. I'm so Rita excited. Oracles. I also, just to tie up the other loose end, uh, it is Ryan Seacrest. It is Ryan Seacrest. Okay. It is It is former it prom was. date to Amanda Smith, Ryan Seacrest. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. There you go. Yeah. There was another, then this is the well, last is thing I'll true? say. Jason, wait, you've never, I've never told you my story about the time that I asked Ryan Seacrest to prom? No. Was did he you f- post this on Twitter? I did post this on okay, Twitter. Yeah, yeah, that's where I saw it. That's yeah, where that's he famous at the time already, or was this? He like- was an yeah. He was an LA radio jockey. Oh, okay, got that's it, got right. It. When he was so he did like he was on yeah, LA it was radio like after the first season of American Idol, and so he still was like co he had done it co hosting with that other guy that they sent off to an island after the first season. Right. Yeah, but no, it was it was Ryan Seacrest. I I asked him to prom. I, did he say no? Do I have to tell the story now? I think um, I got to tell the story. Hey, I'm gonna tell the story. Fuck it. We can do this. Okay, it'll right. be fast. So um, I was – it was like January 20, 2003. Uh, I was at a – at the time, very popular sushi restaurant in Los Angeles called Sushi Roku, which like at oh, any I given – I remember that. Yeah. I didn't and even live here and I remember sushi, hearing about Sushi, sushi Roku, Roku was probably like, like in the tabloids. Yeah. It was – if it, like any given night, there was a guarantee we would see at least a celebrity. Right. Um, like we – I that is also the place where we confirmed that my mom actually did know Steven Tyler. Oh, okay. Because Steven Tyler saw her and recognized her, and it was, was like, like, that's... Mom! He was like, Mom! Yeah, I'm not yeah, sure. yeah. <laughs> good point. And, uh, and, we were, and my brother and I were both like, wait, she was never lying about knowing Steven Tyler in college? What the fuck? Yeah, anyway, that's a real... T- that's a twist. That's it was, definitely it was a, a whole, mom lie. It was, it was a weird... It was, it was one of those weird, like, oh, God, our mom was a person moments. Anyway, yeah. so I'm, like, talking about nonsense, and I'm talking about 
how I don't have a date for the prom, which is going to be so prom in May. And I was like, you know what? Next celebrity who walks in the door, I'm going to ask them to prom. Um, and my family was like, yeah, okay, sure you will. Keep in mind, this was for my mom's birthday, I think. So we were all sitting there in our Smith family tradition of wearing party hats. <laughs> it was incredibly cool restaurant. So we were all right. sitting there like the jackasses we are wearing party hats, little pointy cones. And I was like, I'm going to ask out the next celebrity who walks in the door. And so we like, the door opens and we turn and it's Wayne Brady. And I, at the time, was not cool enough to understand how Wayne Brady would be an awesome fucking prom date. Right. He Whoa. was just like, what, I, 17? I was like 17 and I only knew him from, um, whose line the, is it anyway? Whose line is it anyway, which I really enjoyed. But I also was like, I know that the fact that I like improv is dorky. I'm not going to take Fucked the up. improv guy to prom. Right. Fucked up. I, re- I regret it to this day. And he has since seen this thread and been like, wow, I'm insulted. Um, Good. anyway, so I'm like, okay, I'm going to ask out the next celebrity who walks in the door. I'm not taking Wayne Brady to the prom. And so we're sitting there, and then door opens, and Ryan Seacrest comes in. It's kind of a perfect level of celebrity exactly. at that time because yeah. he's he's he not was just a the, local celebrity. Like he's he not, not the industry that is yeah. Ryan Seacrest now, but his job is very much like his whole de- is like he is a self promotion machine. Like he yeah. is a self made like. I created the idea of Ryan Seacrest and I am an extremely busy man because I became the guy who does a ton of shit, Ryan Seacrest. So the idea of like a stunt thing yeah, where he would like at Take least it. pose for prom photos yeah. with somebody, it does seem like in, a, in like a 2002 world, it could actually happen. Exactly. So it was, and this was before people were asking people to prom for YouTube and stuff. YouTube right. didn't exist. This was- yeah solely just a stupid thing I declared. I was like, this will be funny. So Ryan Seacrest walks in the door. And keep in mind, like, the only radio station I listened to during that time was Star 98.7. He, sure. was, the, he was the radio, the afternoon radio guy with, with his co-host Lisa from, like, three till six. And that's what I listened to. <laughs> three till six. Um, and so he walks in. I'm like, cool. I'm going to ask Ryan Seacrest to prom. So he goes, he gets seated at a table outside and my family all turns to me and they're like, are you going to do it? Are you going to be a jackass? And I was like, you're damn right. I'm going to be a jackass. All right. So I get up and I go over to their table and I'm like, hey, I'm sorry to interrupt. Um, Hi, Ryan. I'm a really big fan. And I was wondering, um, would you be my date to prom? And everyone at the table just kind of stares at me. Sure. And he's like- Reasonable. Yeah, reasonable. And he's like- I. I can't. How old are you? And I'm like, oh, I'm 17. And he's like, oh, I can't take you to prom. You're only 17. And I said, it's okay. I turn 18 on the day of prom, which was you true. You really put him in a hard spot. You really <laughs> put him in a Jesus. corner. And I didn't, I wasn't thinking like, it's okay. I'll be legal. I was just like, right. yeah, my birthday is the day of prom. So it's problem right. solved. I'm just solving problems here. And he's like, I can't take you to prom. And I was like, that's okay. That's fair. Yeah. That's fair. He's like, I can do a photo though. So. <sighs> Um, I, we had a disposable camera with us. Um, so we took a photo. It was mom's birthday. So we took a photo with the camera, with, uh, you know, but as, and so like I go and grab the camera, I come back to the, from the table and my parents like, how to go? And I'm like, I need to, I'm getting a photo with him. Be right back. Yeah. And so I like pose with Ryan and he's like, and then his friend who's taking the photo, she goes, do you want to take the hat off? (laughs) (laughs) Because my parents had let me go ask Ryan Seacrest to prom while wearing a party hat. I mean, really, that's that's a cherry on top. Like, yeah. it, yeah. this, this shouldn't. This story shouldn't include 
if it has the option of a party hat, it should not not have a party hat. It had a if party you didn't hat. Have party hats, then whatever. But you had them, so it has to include the party hat. My parents insist that they thought I knew I had it on, which I think is the most insane assessment of the situation possible. To be like, oh, she knows she's still wearing a party hat, and she's cool with that decision. It would not have occurred to me to ask you if you wanted to take off the hat. It 100% would have occurred to me to say, you're wearing a party hat. No, I mean, if I was if I was the friend taking the photo, I would have been like, oh. well, she definitely wouldn't be wearing that hat if she didn't want to. So. It was, that I'm not going to put her on the spot about the hat because why wouldn't she know she has the hat on? That is a good point. I, I had no idea. So it was, a, it was a kindness. And so I immediately took it off. But yeah, and I was like, well, that... This wasn't embarrassing before, I like but how it that's is embarrassing now. That I like was. how that's the like, because I, I feel like it's a, if you're going to do it, I mean, the chips are in. The hat, there was, the hat was the embarrassing part for me, honestly. That was it. Wow. Yeah. So uh, so I do have, I still have the photo. Um, I posted this whole thing as a thread on Twitter. So I have the photo of me with a very young, with the frosted tips, Ryan Seacrest. I'm trying to imagine if I was like the if I was like a, a if I was a famous person and suddenly like a 17 year old boy walks up yeah. to me and is like, "Will you go to prom with me?" I don't I even would, know what I would do. If it had been in 2002, I would have probably been like, "You know what? How about this? Are you going to have a bunch of friends over to your houses like for photos? I'll show up and I'll take photos with you and all your friends." Sure. Okay. That's a if, benevolent suggestion. If it had been now, absolutely not, because it just opens the floodgates. Right. But the the other embarrassing part of this is that then he was like, why don't you call into the show tomorrow and like, we'll talk about this. And I was like, yeah, sure, I'll call into the show. I have no shame. Yeah. And his co-host was so fucking mean to me. Oh, that's Lisa that's was so awful. brutal of like, what, are you doing this just because he's – I was like, no, I'm doing this because I just didn't have anyone to go to prom with. Like, I was just – I thought it'd be funny. Like, Well, I, it's like she I was, mean, yes, Lisa. Like, like, obviously. I don't fucking know – if it, Ryan was just some guy at the sushi restaurant. I'm not a stranger. Yeah, but she was like, right. trying to get famous off of this? I was like, no. He told me to call it. She was really mean. See, that's bad. Yeah. You and like had a silly call on yeah. the air, and that's, that's a perfect – Daytime yeah. radio exchange. Yeah, no. Lisa Look at this zany thing that happened, and she yeah. had to go be a bitch about it. Lisa Fox was genuinely a. I am a call, call her out by name. Lisa Fox was a bitch about it to me, um, to a seventeen-year-old, and this was after I had emailed the station and given her recommendations about how to take care of the sty on her eye. Oh God, that's yeah. weird. She talked about having a sty, and I was like, I used to get those. Here's how you fix that. I'll help you, Lisa, because I would was the kind of person who would email into radio shows to tell them about how to fix styes on their eyes. So Lisa, I take it back. I hope that that sty just stuck with you. But yeah, so that was the story of how I, that's why I call Ryan Seacrest my prom date, even though he didn't take me to prom. I mean, you you came as close as any other 17-year-old not actively in high school with Ryan Seacrest probably ever did. Yeah, it's true. And this is again, this is always why you stay to the end of the podcast, ladies and gentlemen. Because this is you where never it's know at. what's going to come up on that you one. You don't. You don't. It's going to it's gonna zag when you thought it was going to zig. So you better stick around to the end. Jordan, should we give this movie some towering infernos? Yeah, as many as we can manage, I guess. Yeah, how many are you giving this one? I'm giving it two. Mm-hmm. Because Luke Perry and the sidekicks yeah. pull it beyond the one level. But yeah. it, on other merits, it's not, it's not very exciting. It's not very exciting. Um, Luke, again, Charmer, those two sidekicks, what fun they were. Um, they pull this out of like the doldrums of the one category, but it's, I, I can't give it a higher than a two. Yeah, that's exactly where I'm falling on this one. It was like two, maybe a two and a quarter. Like the Luke Perry boost is real, but yeah. there's only so much that can be done. And I'm not just saying that as someone who loves the core and the whole time no, is like, I'd rather no, be no, watching no. the core. It's just by its own merits. And even by the merits of a made for TV, 
it just was not particular. There was not a lot of tension. There wasn't a lot of no. drama. I just wasn't here for it. I did no. like the Tauntaun sleeping bag Buck story, but other than that, like, what was the point of the military guys? It was pointless. Yeah, the, it, like if you can't if you can't make uh if you can't if you have to plant a like let's make this super tense moment where it's like the transfer of the core and the energy capsules mm-hmm. and this that the other, and it is that fucking bare bones boring. Yeah. You've really lost. You've really lost the thread of your movie. Absolutely. So uh, yeah, no, I'm with you. It's, I would say two is a fair is a fair assessment of this film. And then what? What are next we doing week? for our next episode? So next week's exciting. We are going to be joined by a guest. Yes, we've got Sophia Benoit. I think that's how you say her name. I hope that's I, how you say her last name. I ha- like. I feel like when I've been acquainted with that spelling, that name, it yeah. does seem to be Benoit. So yes. Yeah, I'm just going to go, go with, with that. that. Um, but she'll be joining us to talk about the happening. The fucking happening. The happening. You guys were getting some tree disaster. You will like, it is so rare that you will hear me curse a movie for being so fucking bad. I curse this movie for being so fucking bad. So of Can't course wait. it's a perfect thing. Yeah. Perfect thing to talk about on the pod. I It doesn't make me mad like mother makes me mad. So that's a baseline to know. But yeah. Jesus Christ, I remember seeing this in the theater and just being like, what kind of insult to my time is this experience? And it is hard to make me feel that way. I've never seen it. I just am hoping that it oh, involves I'm Mark Wahlberg. fascinated Wal- to hear a fresh viewer's thoughts. I hope Mark Wahlberg punches a tree. I hope he gets into a fist fight with a bush. I will not ruin anything I, for I you. I know he's not going to do either of those things, but I wish he did. So yeah, so that's what we're doing next week. So that's exciting. That's a, that's a top dollar one. That's yeah. a, that's a big expensive one. In the meantime, though, Jordan, where can we find you? Uh, you can find me on Jor Crew at Twitter at Jor Crew on Twitter, Jor Crew J O R C R U, and then on Patreon, Patreon.com/slash/Cruciola. And Jason, where can we find you? Uh, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Jason Halftones and find those podcasts I produce at uh, thatmightbecool.com. Excellent. And of course, I am Amanda Smith Says on Twitter. Uh, yes, Amanda Smith Says, a new era. Yeah, new. A new era, guys. With Tubies. I mean, it could still be. Yeah. <laughs> I just want to say, Tubi, you lost out. You, you could have had a sponsorship. You didn't. You it's gone up. now. You fucked up big, Tubi. We'll yeah. still take your money, though. Please, just sponsor yeah, us. Yeah, if you ever want to advertise, Tubi. Yeah. But I do want to say about them so big that there's no coming back. Yeah. yeah. Nope. So I, I have a, a Twitter account now that is just my name and then the word says. Um, that's easier. Yeah. So that's... <laughs> So that's me on Twitter. Um, you can find our podcast, We're Disaster Girls Pod at gmail.com. We're disaster underscore pod on Twitter. Um, and then we're Disaster Girls on Letterboxd. So you can oh. find us in any of those places. But please, over the next week, rate and review us. Yeah, Give us five why not? stars. Write we a nice that. rating. We love it. It makes us feel good. Um, and so do all of those things. And then we'll see you all back next week for The Happening with Sophia. Ooh. I am looking forward to hearing a new, a couple new points of view on this movie. <laughs> I am looking forward to Zoe Deschanel playing a ukulele at a gardenia. <laughs> I'm looking forward to knowing this movie exists. <laughs> all right, Bye, see you all next week. Bye. Thank you. That might be cool.com. You never know. <laughs>